Hi, everybody. I'm Kasha Azema of Skidmore Studio, and we are talking about Eat, Think, and Be Merry, the five essentials when branding food. And you are listening to the Brand Journalism Advantage. Episode 425. Branding for food is about oftentimes really just creating a visual taste test. The Brand Journalism Advantage, the podcast that teaches the power of storytelling to increase business by attracting, engaging, and influencing consumers. Now, it's time to think like a journalist with your host, brand journalist, Phoebe Changchua. Hello, brand journalism community. I'm Phoebe Changchua. Thanks for tuning in to the Brand Journalism Advantage podcast. Here we go with the inside scoop. On today's show, Kasha Azema. Kasha is the executive creative director for Skidmore Studio. He's a former designer and digital strategist. He understands how to combine messaging, tactics, and design to create an extraordinary impact. As the executive creative director, he keeps everyone on track, both internally and externally, with oversight throughout research, ideation, and iteration. Kasha also maintains the strategic vision for their clients. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Well, I am loving this episode because, Brand Journalism Community, we're talking about food and how can you you resist, right? An episode that we get to talk about food. But, Kasha, we're also talking about, of course, the important thing for businesses, um, which is the branding. So this is all about the five essentials when branding food. Give us just a little taste of it. Um, You know, it's not that hard, but it takes focus. Branding for food is about oftentimes really just creating a visual taste test. Wow, I really want that. I got to have that. That's something that speaks to me. Either I put it in my shopping cart or I'm going to that restaurant or ordering it off the menu. Mm, So good. A visual taste test. Love it. Well, we are going to really dive into this and we're going to be able to break this down and, and digest it, so to speak. But, you know, we start with an icebreaker. And this is just funny because another food topic here. And I... And I got to ask you, you know, you're, you're not like 20 years old here. So you write, I've never had a cup of coffee in my life. Wow. Really? That, that is true. And uh, I'm not 20 years old. I'm 43. I have never had a cup of coffee. In fact, I have categorically avoided coffee and ingesting it in any way whatsoever for most of my, my life. Because when I was young, I tried it and I just thought the taste was awful. <laughs> and I said, why do people drinking this stuff? It just, it, it means cream and sugar and sure, but it's still just an awful taste. And I just, now it's a point of pride. Now I just, I, I can't like stop my streak of 43 years <laughs> never having a cup of coffee, which is insane because here at our studio, we have four coffee makers. I mean, we live on caffeine. We're creatives is what we do all the time. And people are just constantly shocked. Oh, that is so funny. So let me ask you this, because a lot of times people who dislike the taste of coffee often say they love the smell of it, though. So how does the smell sit with you? <laughs> Ironically, I really don't care for the smell. Like wow. if, I have, if I have a meeting at Starbucks or something and I leave and you know you have that Starbucks yes, smell yeah, yeah. on your jacket and I'm like, oh, I can't wait till this wears off because it's just a funky smell. I understand that the world loves coffee and I'm happy with and we have coffee clients. I'm happy to help them all day long. 
Uh, the rest of the world can enjoy it. I will enjoy something else. Ah, I love it. Well, I've, I've actually heard this before with other people, but, um, and, and for me, you know what? I like the smell better than the taste. So, sure. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, right. well, I've got a good one for you that uh, a quote that I'd like you to break down for me and tell me what you think about it. It goes like this. I think it applies to branding and food. Clearly don't count the people you reach, reach the people who count David Ogilvie. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, hundred percent. That's a smart guy, that David Ogilvy. I mean, a little all, bit, right? Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, all of us quote him, you know, uh, regularly and religiously. Um, he's absolutely right. Uh, everything that we do here at the studio, uh, my entire kind of career has been focused on being human centered. So there is a human being at the other end of the communication that we're trying to put out for branding or communication, whatever it is that we're doing. It is all about who is that person, how can we connect with them in a real authentic way. I think that's what David Ogilvie was going after. There are people who count. The people who count, those are the ones that we're really attracted to and communicating to. Everybody else, honestly, by the wayside. We don't have to talk to everybody in the world. We only have to talk to the ones with whom our brand really needs to engage. That is so important and why brands need to understand that the vanity metrics just really don't matter. Oh, not at all. Yeah, right? It just matters who you're reaching that really matters to your brand. Yeah, I I call it ego marketing. Like, hey, we want to put up a billboard. That's great. Your president gets to see it when he drives into the office, but (laughs) nobody else cares. Ego marketing doesn't solve anybody's problems. So true. Give us a success quote or a tip that's meaningful to you. Yeah, um, we're here in Detroit, and my office window literally looks across the street at the workshop where Henry Ford first started crafting automobiles, which is like, you know, arguably, you know, his, um, his movement and direction and, and, and building that automobile company and the way he innovated that has changed not only our city, but just North America and the world at large. And I think about something he said that is so important that I love. And he said, if I'd have asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. And he was right. Like people at that time, They just wanted to get places faster, and Henry Ford knew there was something else that they needed beyond what they wanted and they could articulate. And that's a branding tenet, right? People think they want something, but they don't really understand what they really need. And it's our job as branders and marketers and communicators to help connect with people's actual needs and get past the thing that they say to the thing that's really true inside of them and really connect with them in that way. Oh, yeah. All about uh, that quote. That's so true. Delivering what they need, not so much what they think they need, because a lot of times they don't have that vision. Now we're talking about like okay. Apple, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Like who, who would have said, you know, I really need, you know, iTunes and then I really need an iPhone. Like we weren't thinking that at the time. And Apple you know, created the right products that helped everybody just – Uh, do their work and their world better. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Well, I'm curious how you got into all of this, how um, your branding became about food, because I I just think that's fun. Like you can work in the marketing world and you can brand a lot of different companies and a lot of different products, but working in the food space certainly is, um, you know, tasty and inviting at many levels. So share with us a little bit more of your background, how you came to be where you are, and then take us to that moment in time that's considered your proudest moment, your career highlight. Great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, real briefly, we focus on um, clients who are in the business of food and fun. 
and which is great for us because it means that we're constantly doing things around food or entertainment and sports and recreation. And we focus exclusively on that kind of client specifically because we enjoy it. We've built up a portfolio of work that is good around it, and it helps us solve specifically consistent problems in those industries. You know, I've got many friends in advertising and, and branding, and their firms are typically broad and varied, as you just mentioned, and they're, they'll solve any problem for anybody. And we found that by honing in our expertise, uh, and I found that being an expert in food and fun gives me an opportunity to solve specific problems really, really well. Um, then, you know, your second question about a career highlight. I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, there was, I'll go back, you know, 20 years, I was in school 20 years ago and I had a professor, his name was Dr. Martin. And this guy was mean. I mean, like if it, if you didn't do good work, he would just light you up and, it, and your craft, your craft had to be so good. And, and, you know, if people, you know, didn't do good actual craft with their hands and what they're producing, he would just, you know, go to town on them. And that stuck with me at the time, like, this guy's such a jerk. How can he be so mean? But over time, I realized, you know, he's absolutely super right that it's all about doing it really, really, really well, no matter what you do. And I reached out to him uh, a few months ago. And I said, I don't know if you remember me, but, you know, that lesson, that really stuck with me. And um, he responded. And I was so grateful. Like, you know what? This guy has now responded and said, yeah, Kasha you're a peer now you're you're past the, the 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 being in school and the early career and the, the the young learning things and now you're on the same you understand what i was trying to tell you guys 20 years ago that craft is so important and it was a very heartwarming moment for me to go yeah you know what this is fun to be around peers and people who understand the importance and the maturity of what we do Wow, that's so cool, especially when you admire somebody like that. Well, you admire them, but you're also a little bit fearful of them. Yeah, right. Exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Take us to that time when it didn't work, that story uh, about the painful moments that we all struggle with. Pick one and tell us how it unfolded for you and what you learned from it. Yeah, there's this one time, and I tell this story a lot to young professionals that I work with, because I have a lot of 20-somethings and, and early 30-somethings on my team. And um, I, there was this one moment, um, I was early in my career, and I got invited, I was a graphic designer at the time, and I got invited in a, a, a brainstorm meeting with some senior executives at what was Chrysler at the time. So we're there, and, and I'm a little trembling in my boots, like, you know, young professional with these senior executives, these people, you know, get paid big bucks, they know lots of stuff, they're really smart, what am I going to contribute to this brainstorm? And I spent... Phoebe, the whole brainstorm, like dead quiet. And like, I'm writing things in my notebook, like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, I should do that. Oh, this would be a good thing we could do. And invariably, as I'm writing things in my notebook and not contributing, these senior executives and senior creatives that I'm sitting in this meeting with are coming up and saying the same things I'm writing down. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, at the end of the meeting, I got to the, I realized, you know what? Don't keep your mouth shut. Like, mm -hmm. participate. If you're a smart, creative, and you're willing to put yourself out there, you have meaningful, viable things to contribute to the world. And just because, see, this, this is a fallacy that we often stumble into as branders and marketers. Just because our clients are our clients doesn't mean they know everything. They've hired us to be experts. We're the ones who know, in fact, much better about doing this work than they do. We need to be bringing our best ideas and our best thinking and vocalizing them putting them on the table with open hands and letting that brainstorm and those ideation sessions go where they will. 
Oh, so important. You know, when I was a young newscaster, um, or actually I was a news reporter at the time before working as an anchor, I would go to press conferences and I felt like that because I was only in my early 20s and I was scared to ask a question um, because I was so young and they were, you know, 10, 15, sometimes 20 years older than me at these press conferences. And I thought that I was going to say something dumb. And, you know, so I would kind of wait till the question was answered or I would try to get it after the press conference. And it, it took time for me to realize, hey, I'm in this role and I have every right to ask this question even if it were a dumb question, <laughs> but, yeah, but you know, okay. it's all about just believing in yourself. And that was a hard time for me back then. And a, a lot of it was going on during the Persian Gulf war. So I felt very threatened. You had television stations from LA, you had San Diego television stations there. And you know, this was big news. So um, yeah, I, I totally get it. I can imagine that was difficult. It's that, it's that young professional. Uh, and you recognize the same thing I saw when I was young. Like that moment where you go, you know what, I have something to contribute. And I love seeing that moment in my teammates, you know, the, the people who are on my team who are in that space in their career, when they begin to turn that corner and contribute their own, you know, meaningful creative contributions. That's right. a beautiful thing. And and like you, a lot of the questions that were being asked were questions that I had written down, wanted to ask, but, you know, exactly. shaking in my boots. <laughs> Just go ahead and stick yourself out That's there. That's right. Which, happen you look dumb it's fine you learn something you move on yep yep so true all right let's dive into our top tip section where we're talking about eat think and be merry these are the five essentials when branding food and kasha is going to break it down for us yeah there's um there's kind of two sections i want to talk about because they're different from each other uh you know packaged food on the one hand as a certain set of branding tips and then restaurants on the other hand a different set of branding tips. I'm going to break these down kind of one at a time. So let's start with packaged food. The first thing I tell people uh, and I tell our clients all the time is you got to remember this little phrase, stop, hold, close. So here's what happens. You're in the grocery store. Someone's walking down the aisle. The job of that package is first to attract their attention and stop them. Mm -hmm. The second job of that package is to hold their attention. This is where you get into product information, product highlights, features, differentiators, things like that. And then the third part is the close. When somebody picks that package up off the shelf, they flip it around to see the the product information or the details, yada, yada. This is when they go, okay, yeah, you know what? I want to buy this and I'm going to stick this in my cart. That is number one, by far, the job of packaged food branding, stop, hold, close. Give them that visual taste test and get it from uh, on the shelf to in the cart. The second thing I was going to talk about for packaged food is positioning. It is so important to understand the competition and pick a unique and authentic spot in the landscape amongst the competition. Because you're sitting on the shelf, you are not the only product of that kind on that shelf. There are other products, competitors, with very similar attributes, if not identical attributes, so what is your position in that landscape on the shelf? Are you the fun and quirky one? Are you the all organic one? Are you the one with the super great bubblegum flavor for kids? Like what is that unique spot in positioning that positions you differently from everybody else? And then finally, in packaged food, uh, I, I invented, invented slash just kind of keep using this word differenting. This is just, this is how you stand out. Please, please do not do the same thing you see other brands and packages doing. And this goes for any, mm-hmm. any brand, but it's especially, it's especially true 
on uh, in, in a grocery store aisle. There is so much Me Too branding out there. You have to be different. And the way we think of it is win the aisle. What is it that you need to do and say and how do you represent yourself so that as the consumer, the customer standing there in that grocery store aisle, what makes you win in that aisle in that moment? And the interesting thing is when we work with packaged food that spans multiple aisles and product lines and product extension in different categories, how do we win, keep a, a, a consistent brand and win the aisle in different locations across the grocery store? That's a really fun exercise. But it's yeah. really solving it each time for each moment. Right. And I like these last two, especially. Well, I mean, all of them are great. The stop, hold, close, the positioning on the shelf and the differenting. Great word. Um, what I like is it's really kind of talking about the product's personality, if you will. Like, what is the character of that product and how does it speak to someone as, as they walk down the aisle? Yeah, of course, because a brand is, in, in, in modern times, in modern vernacular, it is a. Um, it's really a person. It's a persona. It's some um, even faced entity that is communicating with me. And that uh, we often say when we're creating brand personality, if the brand was a person that got invited to a party, what would that person be like when I hung out with them at the party? And what would they say? Would they be fun? Would they be vibrant? Would they, they be quiet? Would they be sitting in the corner? Are they the ones spinning the tunes? Like so, be that brand personality. Let that shine through. And do it in a unique way. Don't have the same personality as everybody else and make sure that it is, uh, you know, uh, separated from the other personalities that are on the shelf. Excellent. And I know you have two more tips and these are not so much about packaging, but about restaurants. It's about restaurants, right. So restaurants, completely different space um, because, you know, the, 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 the shopping, uh, grocery store shopping experience is one branding moment. A restaurant is a different one entirely. Being human-centered, you put ourselves in somebody's shoes and they're thinking, I want to go out to eat tonight. Where am I going to go? And it has so much to do with word of mouth and perception. So that's what restaurants are all about. And ultimately, I tell restaurants, branding over marketing. Like restaurants will trend all the time to only want you to do activities that get butts in seats. Like, oh, I need a, a BOGO uh, for a special on uh, this chef, uh, special entree that we're doing this month. Or we're going to do a, a limited-time coupon. Or we're going to do a, a geofencing initiative, da, da, da. So you know what? Those are all great, but you've got to get the brand right because ultimately every single touch point in your restaurant, the way it looks, the way it sounds, the menu, the server, the food, etc., creates a perception that one person tells another and creates a, 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 a brand ripple effect through the community. And that's how people end up choosing which restaurant to go to is because they heard, oh yeah, that Mabel Gray restaurant, that's a really sweet place. I want to go there. And when I go there, I'm not disappointed because it's beautiful and it's well done and every touch point is well put together. So restaurants, I know you want to get butts and seats, but I'm going to tell you, branding over marketing, get your brand right, but holistically from the top down. And then the second thing I would say for restaurants is the menu matters. The menu really matters. I'm going to think about the graphic design of the menu because you've got somebody in your restaurant and this is the thing that you put in front of them and you said, I want to give you an impression of my restaurant and a visual taste test, again, that about what you're about to experience. If, you, if that menu is lackluster, it's boring, it has, it has typos, you are not creating a good warm-up opinion about what this experience is going to be like. But when that menu is well-designed, it's clear whether you use photography or not, it's the right photography, et cetera. You are already creating a perception of what that experience is going to be. And now, hey, I'm getting that food. I'm enjoying it. It continues to build that perception. And I'm walking back out the door and telling my other buddies, hey, this place was great. You got to stop by there. 
simply because you did you went through the effort of creating a good brand and then giving me a really meaningful touch point that one key moment with that menu in my hand to say yeah this is a good place yeah and let's talk about some customer cleanliness too or you know as far as when it comes to the menus when you get a dirty menu that sucks as well right oh, it's terrible i mean I, I say touch points, and every touch point matters. I mean, Disney estimates that they have over one billion touch points in their park, and they're thinking about everything from every flower to every brick to every banner, sign, person you interact with, etc. Every touch point matters. So, brand is certainly the things that we produce in our industry, but is all the other tangible and intangible moments around that experience. Mm, this has been really valuable. So Brand Journalism Community, you know it'll be at thinklikeajournalist.com in the show notes under Kasha's episode. So you can check it out there. We'll have it recapped. It is time to think like a journalist. You've been hired to help an ailing company. It's about to financially collapse. It's reputation shot. You've got a month, a thousand dollar budget, a smartphone and a laptop. How do you begin to turn this company around? <laughs> this is really fun. Uh, I love this setup. So first off, chuck the smartphone out the window, power down the laptop. At this point, they're going to be distractions. I love these moments with brands because you've got a meaningful problem to solve, and that problem is really around the people. So you sit down with the folks in the room. You spend that $1,000 on takeout because you're going to be together for a while. Brand is perception, and perception equals reality. The perception of this organization is busted. How do we fix it? We start with people. We move to product. We move into process, and finally, the things we think of as brand new, that public face. So I just make sure that we've got the right people in the room, make sure that we know the company's core purpose, that we all agree to it, we've got their values identified, then we use that core purpose and those core values, and we look at their products. Do these products align with the purpose and the values? Do these processes align with the purpose and the values? And ultimately, finally, we get down to that thing that I mean, is stereotypically the branding, the public face, we go, okay, now how do we represent this good company with this good core purpose, with these core values to the rest of the world? Uh, and that, I think, can turn around an alien company pretty fast. What is one piece of technology, video, multimedia equipment, or an app that you just can't live without? Very simple. The camera on my phone. Um, I'm using it all the time, snapping pictures of whiteboards and brainstorm sessions, out in the wild, see a sample that I like. You know, stuff I need to, need to remember, you know, pick pictures of notes, my family when we're on vacation especially, you know, it's constantly pulling out the camera. And which phone do you have? I have, what do I have? iPhone 8, I think. One book, documentary, blog, podcast, or internet channel? I uh, really liked Eating the Big Fish by Adam Morgan. Uh, it's a book about being a challenger brand. And ultimately, um, I think 99.9% .9 of us work on challenger brands because there's only like 0.1% of brands in the world that are the dominant player in the industry. So it's really about how to be the challenger brand and how to succeed and let the challenger status continue to push you, give you motivation and momentum uh, and drive to succeed. So I've been asking this question for the past couple of years and we're closing in uh, rapidly, it seems. We're talking about the year 2025. This is expert predictions. I'm curious from your vantage point, maybe talking about restaurants or, you know, just giving us some, some advice that'll give us a competitive advantage for 2025. What do we need to be doing right now to make sure we're on point in about, I don't know, eight years out or so? Yeah, eight years already. Yeah. Um, I think that we need to get the product right. We've been relying a lot and it's kind of, 
uh, it's kind of concerning to me right now. I see it in my packaged food. I see it in my restaurants. We have an over-reliance on social and social media and content marketing. And I think we're getting in the way of ourselves and forgetting what we really uh, need to focus on, creating and producing really good product by really good people. I would like to predict that if we can focus on outstanding product and get away from the same old noise that is in the rest of the world, I think we'll be more successful as brands. And I'd like to see more effort put into creating really solid, authentic brand foundations and not blowing a bunch of smoke. Because unfortunately, Phoebe, I just see a lot of blowing smoke and I'm feeling like we need to push past that. Yeah. And you know, that can really happen where you can have something where the content marketing, the social media aspect of it, you know, the clickbait, if you will, is far better than what's being delivered. And we know that what's going to happen is that brand is going to die, or at least that that particular product will, um, yeah, because I, that people will find out. Absolutely. What frustrates me is when a client comes to me and says, I need to build a brand. And I stop them and go, you know, no, no, you don't need to build a brand because it's just content marketing, social media, blah, 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 a bunch of BS. What you need to do is create a really great product that is meaningful and adds value to people's lives. And then we will build a brand and a representation around around that. Yes, indeed. All right. Name one place to wine, dine, and play. Maybe this is in Detroit or the greater world. Where would you send somebody? Just a a cool place that you like. Oh, man. I would send someone to – down here in Detroit, you would be surprised. I know Detroit gets a bad rap. You come downtown, I invite you, any of your listeners, anytime, come downtown any, any uh, afternoon in the summer, and you walk around here, you're going to think this is New York or Chicago or someplace like the streets are vibrant, people are walking all over the place. And one of the cool things I like about it is we have a really great food truck scene down here, and there is a fantastic little Mexican food truck called El Huapo. That place makes burritos and tacos out of the back of that truck like, like nobody's business. So come on down here. Let's go to El Huapo. Let's have a taco. Let's have a burrito. Let's talk about cool things in the world. Ah, uh, that's so cool. That's like the movie. What, what was it now? Chef, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Very good. Well, this has been delightful. The only thing that would have made it, made it better is having some food <laughs> over yeah. our Skype call. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, that might be another 20 years out, though, before that happens. But <laughs> thank you so much, Kasha. I really loved it. You've added a lot of value to the Brand Journalism Advantage podcast. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you so much. Take care. Hey, Brand Journalism community, you know that you can find all the valuable information in the show notes. All you have to do is head on over to thinklikeajournalist.com and in the search box, type in 425. And this interview and the resources mentioned in this episode will pop right up. Subscribe to the Brand Journalism Advantage podcast and be the media. Now, go think like a journalist.